Welcome to Exhibition, and Xbox podcast, and we have a very special episode today with the 20th anniversary of Xbox and Halo getting celebrated on November the 15th, but I thought that I would go ahead and have a couple of awesome guests on today to join me in celebrating and talk more about the past history of Xbox and their history together. I have Sean Capri of the Xbox Drive and a wide variety of other shows, and then Luke Lore at Insipid Ghost from Xbox Expansion Pass. How you guys doing tonight? Back and better than ever, Luke. What's up? Yeah, man. It <laughs> has awesome. been too long. It's great. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. There's a lot, so many things to talk about this weekend, next week. Uh, it's cool seeing the vibe around Xbox, and uh, and I'm feeling good, man. I'm excited. Yeah, that's awesome. Sean, how you feeling? What's the what's the vibe going into the 20th anniversary? I feel like I had this realization in the last 24 hours that my daughter shares a birthday with Halo, and I didn't realize that that was a thing until like just now. So here we are, man. We're getting ready to celebrate my daughter's third birthday, and who knows what could be happening on Monday as we're heading on into the weekend as we record this. Lots of cool stuff could happen. Definitely. Lots of rumors flying around. We've got a lot of of inside leaked slash insider information talking about some Halo Infinite action to celebrate the 15th or the 20th anniversary. Um, but that's something that I personally am very much so looking forward to trying to figure out if I'm going to be sick on Monday. You know, you got a lot yeah. of, <laughs> a lot of things up in the air. You sound terrible. I was just, thinking, I know man, it sounds like it's starting to hit. It is. You know? You're starting to get that nasal congestion in the back of the throat. You know, it's yeah, got that. You don't want to. Yeah. You got to be careful. You don't want to put, you don't want to play around with that. Definitely yeah. not. Definitely not. Would you like me to write you a doctor's note? I will. Absolutely. I'm not a doctor, but I can write notes. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, anybody who retweets this podcast and drops a like down below gets a free doctor's note. Just saying. Um, There you go. But to start off tonight, I wanted you guys to talk about how you came together, because I know that you've both been into Xbox content creation for a number of years, throwing podcast episodes around and doing a whole bunch of awesome stuff. Um, So, Sean, do you want to kind of start off with how things began? And then Luke and you guys can just talk about the journey to come to where we are today. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, for me, like starting the Xbox drive came out of a hilarious conversation that I was having with a friend while driving to work, actually thinking like, oh, I'd love to do an Xbox show, but I don't really know when when the time would when I would have time to do it. I was I was becoming a dad at the time and going into work. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This could be the show. This could be the thing. We just record this. There's got to be a way to record like a Skype call when we're when we're driving to work. So the Xbox drive was born. And about a year later, I was looking for a new co-host and my good friend Bobby Pauls, the Nintendo guru. He's he kind of pointed it out um, because uh, Luke Lore had joined uh, joined us on a stream. We we're playing some games together and Luke was waxing poetic about Phil Spencer and the Xbox ecosystem and games and everything. And um, Bobby had reminded me of that that stream when I needed a new co-host. So reached out to Luke and he joined me on the Xbox drive for a little over a year, I think, Luke. So mm-hmm. Through that, we we went to E3 together. We yeah. we met a bunch of amazing people at that time. Like really a transformational year, I would say, mm-hmm. together in um, in Xbox podcasting and content creation. Also at a time when like Xbox wasn't the coolest. You know, this right. was a long before the Series X. We were talking about the news stories about Game Pass and then later on about games coming day and date from the first party uh, studios. So mm-hmm. Xbox has come a long way, and I know we'll get into that history, but a lot of that history has been made within the last three to five years or so um, in the in the storybook that is Xbox at this stage. I feel like we were working together at the time where the momentum was shifting publicly. Like we had seen it privately. If you were paying attention, you had seen it. But when we got together on the Xbox drive, 
that was where it began. This public shift started to really happen. This, the One mm-hmm. S had been out. Yes. Uh, the One X was just arriving, or right around the time you and I started working together, because I got that Project Scorpio. Yes. Um, which I always uh, I thought about trading that in, and I said no. That is my Xbox Drive console. Um, that kind of represented that year we had together, and. When that when we when we started kind of that journey together, I always attribute um, that link up to Bobby Paul's because mm-hmm. I got to guest on his shows at the time. Uh, I was not a member of any podcast full time. I had done it years prior in soccer, but not in gaming. Uh, and then when I got that call, it was it was the coolest thing, and it opened it opened my world up to Xbox content in a way that it had never been opened before. And you know, we flash forward to now, Xbox Drive is still going strong. Sean, you're doing so many incredible things. You got 48 different podcasts. It's true. You just wrapped up an incredible extra life. Uh, and, you know, XEP is two years strong now and over 100 episodes. And that's, it's kind of cool to think that, you know, you welcoming me into the Xbox Drive led to what I still attribute to the best three days of my life, which was E3. I'd never had an experience like that. Unreal, Getting to man. meet. It was it was incredible, and getting to meet, uh, if you'll forgive the term, an internet friend in in real life, and then making a real friend was was really cool. And um, you know, I always say like we separated to make content that we wanted to make, and then rejoining was even better. You know what I mean? Like we came back better uh, after that time, and I'm, I'm eternally grateful to Bobby uh, yeah, for man. that link up, very much so. And uh, you know, now it's really I think fitting and cool to be on this this 20th anniversary of Xbox and think of all the friendships that it has brought about and how many connections it has made. It's really neat. It's surreal. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that I think that I've seen. And I mean, even going back to both of your communities in the past, you know, a couple of years, I've been looking into expanding my repertoire podcast that I subscribe to and listen to on a weekly basis. Uh, And so I found both XEP and the Xbox Drive. And I didn't even know that you guys had known each other, you know, to begin with whenever I first started listening to both of these shows. Um, But it's been awesome just to become a part of both of these communities and to see, you know, how people interact and to see the crossover between the two. Um, And then to see the bigger crossover within the discussion on Xbox Twitter and in the Reddit post and just stuff like that. Um, You know, you see it thrown around a lot, but Xbox really, for me, uh, it is the best community in gaming. Like it is just a fantastic place to call home. And um, that's why I've become such a big part of it or over the past couple of years and really thrown myself into it. Um, just because it feels like a good fit. And I think that's a big part of what Xbox is 20 years on, you know, in the same way that you have people playing Halo at the midnight release of the original Xbox and that, you know, 24 hour, 48 hour marathon, whatever it was, um, you know, those same feelings and those same emotions and those same bonds still continue here uh, in the podcast communities and, uh, you know, in the couch co-op sessions, whatever you got going on. Uh, It's so cool to see that kind of stuff continuing on all these years later. You know, I, I think uh, no, I'm interrupting you because I want to say something nice to you. Uh, <laughs> okay. I want to say I want to give kudos to to Luke because you know I think he alluded to something that I I, I just want to sort of jump on here is that now with the Xbox Drive and XEP you have two totally different shows and Luke was very courageous I think in creating something very unique. There's not another show like that on the internet. There's a lot of shows like the Xbox Drive. I just happen to drive a car and get um, coffee at McDonald's, which is stupid and silly. You, you don't have like a a critically thought 
thought-provoking podcast like like Luke went off and created. And so, yeah, from us splitting from from the Xbox drive, now now fans and, and communities get two totally different shows. You didn't get like a cookie cutter type of thing. And I think that's to your point, Brad, that there's a lot of different angles that you can take it with Xbox because it is fun. It is video games. That's where we're laughing. But there's a lot of really great business insight to be had. There's a lot of amazing games that are made in different angles and, and switches and things like that, that Luke is much better suited to, to be talking about. And the guess he has on his show is, I think, just a sign of how dynamic the Xbox community is and the ecosystem really is. So there, Luke. Well, that was a super high compliment, and I thank you for that. It, that man, I just that think it's cool, man. They're totally different shows. I just think that's really awesome. Like, you don't really get to see diametrically opposed kind of ways to cover the same ecosystem as you do with Xbox Drive and, um, and XCP. That, me- that means a whole lot that you would, would say that. And that's, that is kind of what I wanted to do, not not in the being opposed part, but in creating kind of an analytical and super thought-provoking thing. And I, well, I mean, it's unique to be in a car and, and have that joviality and get coffee and have that th- that window of time where you talk about it in such such a fun way. Like I'm, I have some of my best memories are of... <laughs> Sean hates this. Uh, playing Halo Wars Two while we podcast. While podcasting, yeah, yeah, and I would just sit there. We would just talk about games. It was it was the best time. I, I just I loved, I loved that time. And and now with XCP, it's interesting because the Xbox community that I interact with there, there's some crossover. There's some overlap. People were willing to make the jump and try out both, but it is not the same as mm-hmm. uh, as a lot of people that check out some of the other Xbox shows out there. And and I would argue, Sean, that when we were doing the drive together, there were very few Xbox shows at all uh, right. in general. Definitely. There really weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now this wave of goodwill that Xbox has cultivated has led to a number of shows. PSVG was working on some, and yep. those were really fun. Uh, the Xbox 2 Xbox has grown two. immensely. Yep, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. I... I really look up to Randolph Thor as a, a content creator as well. And um, it is neat, I think, because Xbox had a choice during the Xbox One generation. You know, what would they do with their community? How would they approach games to go forward? And we always attribute it to being Phil Spencer, and he always attributes it to his team. But really, it's the it was the overall momentum shift, dynamic shift, mentality shift to say, all right, we're in third place. How do we want to go about it? Do we want to make new games, correct hardware, cultivate relationships with people, with creators, with gamers? And I think that's the mentality that everyone can play, that accessibility conversation, the multiple avenues to bring in uh, diminished voices in the content creation space, in the game development space, um, the LGBTQ+, blacks in gaming, women in gaming, and they consistently build these programs. And in doing that, it generates this, positive buzz around it and because of that people flock to it to then now create content for it and now you know leading into a 20th anniversary celebration we truly have a lot to celebrate there's so many wins that microsoft has racked up and those wins did not come at the loss of any other competitor like those wins never meant playstation losses it's just been really cool to watch this era of gaming unfold in front of us and um I guess I'm grateful for the drive. Stadia for died. Me. Stadia lost. Stadia, Stadia did lost. lose. But Luna's, you know, prepped to come on strong. <laughs> um, but really and truly, like, I'm grateful to the experience of the Xbox drive and to the community because, uh, and to the, the dynamic shift, because it really has allowed more people to enter into this space and try out games in a way that I don't think they would have otherwise try out content creators in ways that mm-hmm. they wouldn't have otherwise. Where Xbox landed is it created an identity out of reacting to what was a pretty much an 
outrage at the yeah. at the launch of the Xbox One. And what I appreciate about Xbox is it has a very it has an identity now. All of a sudden, I've been screaming yeah. about this for years, and they finally have an identity. You know what you what it looks like to to play an Xbox game. You know how it feels mm-hmm. to be part of the community. And this right. is all coming out of a reaction to everybody hating Xbox back in 2013, 2014, that 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 era. And in, and what they've done is they didn't just bend to the will of the people. They kind of said, okay, we're not in your good books right now. So we're going to go back and think about this and like really understand and come to think about what this means. And what Mm -hmm. it means is games for everybody, making it accessible and, and Mm -hmm. in all the different ways that that means, I think that word is almost like limited, generally speaking in the conversation about accessibility, but they're really making it so that whoever you are, wherever you are on whatever device you are, uh, or whatever budget you can you can play games and i think that just as it as at its heart is a really interesting place because they could have just done like addressed every individual concern that people were raising back when the xbox one was announced and they they did that but even more they kind of just like reset and created mm-hmm. something that is that is totally different they didn't just go oh you don't like drm you got drm now you don't like connect now we're getting rid of it like they mm-hmm. did that of course but that didn't set their identity now it's it's so much bigger than that so that mm-hmm. when you see forza horizon 5 is coming out on game pass and you've got four and a half million people playing it in the opening weekend like that's the result of doing much more than just i don't like drm i don't like connect um and all the complaints people had back then they've obviously gone above and beyond what people's primary complaints were seven years ago and to their credit, they've, they've redone services. Game Pass was new in 2017, I want to say. They did backward compatibility. Yes. They retooled all the hardware, knowing full well that, that what they had was not badly engineered. It was just rushed and not the design that I think they really wanted to make. And it's the same team that made it. That was my favorite part about it, was it was the same team allowed to execute on their vision mm-hmm. uh, that they truly wanted to make, Sans Connect and whatnot. And then... After they addressed that, began they began cultivating, creating relationships with developers, and they stuck with what mattered. You know, Master Chief Collection was broken. They fixed it, and it grew. Yeah. Uh, sea of Thieves launched to, I would argue, mediocrity, right? Until year one was in there. Now that, that game's, you know, that can boast 25 million players uh, have tried it out in a high concurrent base. Uh, they're bringing games to Steam, and they consistently are in top sellers on Steam. And the reason I think people are so excited about Forza Horizon 5 and are really waking up to the quality of Playground is because it's acceptable to be encouraging about Xbox now in a way that it wasn't. Because Forza Horizons 3 and 4 were fantastic, mm-hmm. but there is something special about 5, and more people are playing it, seeing it, uh, and it's available on more places than ever. Xbox One, One S, One X, Series S, Series X, uh, Cloud and PC. And that's just cool because more people are playing it uh, and having a good time and really waking up to the idea. And with as they bring in Forza gamers, they're going to bring in Halo gamers. They're going to bring in people playing Age of Empires. They're going to bring in people playing so many more things. And it started in a dire place where they could have left everything. Mm-hmm. And now there's so much to celebrate. Man, we, we got really excited there. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's all about, right? You know, yeah. you, you come in and I, I think about, um, you know, with the Xbox Series X and the 20th anniversary, I feel like Halo Infinite captures a lot of why Microsoft is seeing success right now is because you're getting back to what originally made it successful. With Halo Infinite, you have, you know, getting back to the Chief and Cortana, you have that same bond being brought to the surface and you have, you know, this open world Halo that really captures the vision of the original. 
And on the flip side, when you look at the generation as a whole, you have the world's most powerful hardware, which the original Xbox was huge at the time. I mean, it was the direct Xbox, you know, uh, and compatibility and, you know, performance were going to be unmatched on this new piece of hardware. Uh, and you see that same kind of thing happening in the console space in 2021, where, again, the Xbox Series X, in terms of power and in terms of what it can do, just there isn't anything like it on the market. Obviously, the PS5 right. is a great competitor. But when it comes down to it, the Xbox Series X usually inches out a little bit when it comes to those third party games. Um, but again, it's not about a this versus them or, a, you know, haves and the have nots. It's about everybody coming together over cool games. Um, and the games and the experiences are at the center of what Xbox is bringing right now, where you have Forza, you have Halo, you have new experiences like Avowed that I know I talked about earlier in the week on another show. Um, but they have so much going for them right now that I think it's great to be able to have more games in the hands of more people. Um, one of the biggest wins that comes to my mind, you guys were talking about accessibility, is the accessibility controller. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I would be remiss not to mention this amazing piece of technology uh, that has opened up, you know, so many customization options for how somebody can experience a game. Um, you know, regardless of what their physical limitations might be, they can become a part of these communities and they can become, you know, as much of a player as anybody else without having to, you know, do anything outside of the norm. They just find a way that fits for them. And I think that's One, something that's great. At, at the same time, they uh, being a provider of the technology to to gamers like that, they also became an advocate and, a, and almost like a spokesperson to bring awareness to it, because I don't know about you guys. I had no idea. That, that would like it makes sense when you really think about it but i didn't know that there were adapters that other people you know might might need um access to to play games so suddenly i became much more aware of a of a of something an issue that that um impacts a tremendous number of people and then they also right. at the exact same time of making me aware of it they provided an industry-leading solution to it as well an affordable solution to it as well they weren't looking to like I think uh, Aaron Greenberg and some of the others have said, like it's not exactly like a money maker, um, right. but I think that that's emblematic of like just they have examples of that across the board that they're not gonna not everything is gonna be a trillion dollar seller, um, but it it signifies where they're going as a company, and I I I agree with you. I've I, Luke and I have seen that um, live in person at, at E3. We've played with it. Um, mm -hmm. It's really interesting, and again, nobody was asking for it. That wasn't anybody like. I don't think in a, in a loud kind of way, certainly not as loud right. as people were yelling about Connect. Nobody was screaming about where's my accessible co uh, controller, um, mm -hmm. but enough people were, and they were aware of that this was this was a, a segment of players who were underserved, and they went out and they they really went out of their way to do it. They could have done anything else with those resources, right. and what I think. What, where they are now is people often talk about like the treasure chest that is Microsoft. They think about the money that, that, that Microsoft has to invest in all these different things. And I think that's a byproduct of what it actually the true benefit of where Xbox sits now being owned by or operated by Microsoft, which is they're big thinkers. They're some of the right. biggest thinkers on the planet. When they think about like, how do you change the world? Microsoft mm -hmm. has done it a couple of times over again. So not, that's not to say anything slight about Nintendo or PlayStation, but I don't think that either of them can really compete in that in the vision aspect. So as soon as Microsoft and Satya kind of goes like, where do games fit within our vision where we're changing the world over and over again, suddenly you have to step up in video games. And I just don't know that that call has been has happened for the other two. And it happened at the exact same time where Xbox was kind of on the way out. And that's why you see Xbox where it is right now, I think. 
And no doubt they did the numbers ahead of time on that accessibility right. stuff. They figured out – I mean they are a business and they acted as a business should – but no doubt they ran those numbers, and it did prove to be beneficial to bring in more gamers. And the general goodwill that they brought in with that on a business front couldn't have hurt in any way, shape, and form. And the amount of that's goodwill, the investment, I think. Right, really, I, th- mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right on the on the business side. That is the investment, uh, and it's heartwarming to watch. And it led to an industry shift in what accessibility meant and could be. Uh, suddenly menu narration is the norm suddenly there's always there's a tab in every AAA game accessibility and the options uh in my mind i think they really kind of started around gears of war 5 and then i saw them in last of us 2 and mm-hmm. tomb raider rise of the tomb raider yeah uh, they just consistently grew and grew and grew i mean guardians of the galaxy idos montreal that's that's the next step for for the rise of the Tomb Raider team, and there was just accessibility galore. And yep. then in Forza Far Horizon Cry. Five, Far Cry, yes, Far Cry starts so. out with a narrated menu. Yeah, yeah, and Forza Horizon Five, they allow you to physically slow the game down and preserve the physics, so you can play the game at its core. And if you are someone who has slower reaction times or a disability that doesn't allow you to physically react as quickly as you would like, the game is not is not uh, diminished in any way, shape, or form. It's just slowed down to allow you to uh, play accordingly. And uh, add to that the co-pilot stuff that they've got in there. I was yeah. just messing around with my controller ahead of time. Uh, I would have to think that while that falls under accessibility, but that allows parents to game with children in a way that they wouldn't have been able to before. And, Sean, I look forward to hearing that from you as you know, Link and Ellie get uh, – older it's just it's really cool that vibe that surrounds the term accessibility now and it also ensures we're gonna be playing for a long time too because even Mm -hmm. as you said like the reaction time kind of gets down i'm like i'm aging myself man like i have my reaction time is not so good and at a certain point my vision is going to go and at a certain point my hearing is going to go and so it's actually it's it's good to capture those who are dealing with that stuff now but it also ensures that people like us are going to be playing for 20 years 30 50 years into the future I also wonder, this is a tangential aside, but with bots coming into Halo and Drivatars being a thing, uh, how likely is it that we get to have bots that mimic our friends on our playlists? You know, will yeah. I get to play against a Sean Capri Drivatar AI The Drivatars bot are the best, in, man. I love the Drivatars. Cool. They're, they're mm-hmm. so cool. But I mean, mm-hmm. I would love the idea of getting to play against a, a bot in Halo. Yes. That, is your Drivatar or what I don't, Spartan Atar. Yep, just teabagging all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Even little kills I didn't get. I love getting the messages lately, you know, like, hey, your Drivatar ran me into a wall. I'm like, well, that's how I play Forza. So mm-hmm, that that's sense. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that is always, what I do. It's always so fun to see those Drivatars. I know that I have Snowbike Mike from the X-Cast on my friends list. And so every time mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, there goes Mike. He's running past me. Um, mm-hmm. But it's always a good time with that kind of stuff. And I mean, I think that with the AI, it goes back to what Sean was saying about the Microsoft technology they bring in because, you know, um, for my full-time job, I work with a Microsoft integrator. And so I know all about the tech and like what they're doing on the back end for businesses. Do you know Phil Spencer? Oh God, I wish. Right. Uh, but, um, what they're doing on teams, (laughs) but the, what they're doing on the back end with business is that they're just trying to legitimately make employees lives better. Um, Mm -hmm. and, it goes back to them still having that same drive for the personal side of someone's life where they're just trying to improve the human experience. Mm -hmm. And so whether that's in the way that people communicate through teams or whether that's the experience they have browsing, you know, 
what came to my mind is instant pot recipes on the internet, but you know, to, to each their own, whatever you're looking at on windows 11, um, <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Cooking. Um, nerd. I know. Right. Yeah. But, um, whether it be at work or whether it be at home on windows 11 or whether it be on your Xbox, the focus is trying to make an experience that benefits your life and makes it better. Um, mm. and I agree that no other company is really doing that to the same level that Microsoft is. I mean, Sony kind of tapped it with the, um, you know, freebies that were given away during the pandemic and the summer of gaming stuff that they do to like, you know, give back to the community. Uh, but in terms of just providing raw value, you know, through game pass and through in comparison to other products on the market, affordable hardware, um, and even with the cloud accessibility, I think that Microsoft is just doing it in a way that is setting them up for 20 years of additional success on top of this past 20 years, um, you know, even having achieved so much so far. When you make your customers happy and you make the people who make the stuff for your customers happy, that's a recipe for success. And it's one that uh, Microsoft is doing well right now in a way that they weren't necessarily 15 years ago. And then you look at other companies like now, like Amazon, making customers very happy, but at the expense of their employees, how long is that going to last? Mm. You know, like what what's the, the shelf life of some of these companies that are so abusive? I don't have an answer to that. That wasn't meant to be like, uh, something that I'm, I'm saying Xbox is or Microsoft is right to do so, but it does make it a lot easier to celebrate the wins uh, in the culture of, of Microsoft and of Xbox fandom, because you know that that goodwill is being uh, genuinely handled, I guess you would say, you know, watching so many of the Microsoft Xbox Game Studios developers out there tweet and, and discuss their work conditions next to some of the other work conditions that are being tweeted about from Ubisoft and Activision, it's really heartening to see the way that Xbox is handling things and disheartening to, to see the way that others are. And I'm sure it's not there yet. I'm sure there's a long way to go. Certainly the industry needs to change. And um, we've seen a lot of great efforts there. And there's always work to be done, right? There's always work to be done. So here's hoping that is the more they're able to adapt their development cycles and improve lives for their employees – that the products that come out are that much better, that much more diverse. I mean, uh, as, as a accidental self-plug, I had Rami Ismail on XEP some, some months ago, and he talked about how there are so many developers around the world that don't have access to game jams, to uh, going to a developer's conference, to communicating with other developers. And so as such, they're not seen by Sony's, Microsoft's, EA's, Activision's, the big the big development people that might come in and publish a game, which means that the games that we play are developed in Japan, parts of Europe, parts of the United States. And that's pretty much it. Well, imagine when the whole world is cooking. What's going to happen? Mm -hmm. What are you going to get? What experiences will you see that we have no idea about right now? So there's a culture shift for sure on the gaming side, on the development side, uh, and it needs to continue shifting for, for the best to come. And I think when we see all these leaked reports, Jez Corden reports of... of you know, what's coming. It's like, oh, there's so much in development for this monumental delivery service of Game Pass that you, it only is exciting. It only is exciting. That's the only way that it would be digestible, to be honest with you, just a short tack on there. Like if there's a yeah. lot to be coming, if there's more content coming, you can't charge $70 every time. Right. You got to have something like a subscription service, even though it seems like it's just a stereotypical kind of thing to do right now. It seems like a fad or, or, a, or a trend right now. It's like, it's because there's just so much and because there's, it's a growing pool of people 
playing yeah. games. You need to be able to deliver that in a way that people can actually experience them. Otherwise, why even build it? So right. it all clicks together. I think that's the most fascinating part of it. It's a very complex system. And it seems like every T has been crossed, every I has been dotted, every lowercase J has been dotted also. People often mm -hmm. forget about the lowercase they, Js. They do. They forget yeah, about that one. That's mm -hmm. true. Yes. It took the Xbox One generation to lay the groundwork for the, for what we have now. And so, you know, every moment of happiness is purchased purchased with a moment of pain. It's an old mm -hmm. Irish proverb. And, uh, man, we were there for that, that Xbox One. But uh, it's really cool to be there now at this generation. Yeah, it was rough there for a minute. I think, Sean, when we were on Game Explain earlier in the week, he said that the Xbox One was the Sunset Overdrive machine there for a hot minute. And it was kind yeah. of, and it was kind of one of those things where it was like, yeah, it, it really was. And then the Master Chief Collection came out and it wasn't good. I mean, it just wasn't stable. Um, disrespect for Titanfall, guys. Come on. And, well, that, that's that's a, and that's the yeah. that's the thing is that games like that get missed and things like it, it's more than just the games. It's the community that is embracing them or, or not embracing them. And the community was not embracing games on Xbox back then. And yeah. it's just one of the crimes and people who were there, people who were on the in the Wii U days, like they, they feel the exact same way. There were great games on the Wii U. But if you were outside looking in, you're like, I don't get it. Why would I ever buy one of those things? And that's what a lot of people were saying about Xbox One. Like, I don't get it i don't have a last of us i don't have an uncharted um right. and so like this quantum break isn't blowing me away and it's like that's not that's not the take but here we are now a couple of years later and i think there's excitement about halo because it's cool to like xbox again yep. i think like there you can pick apart and luke would be better to do this than me but like there's a lot of reasons why um halo is shaping up the way that it is but i think like a simpler way to look at it is one it's been a number of years since the last halo so it's had a time to rest and there's been a lot of work just in Xbox in general. So it's like people are being very loud about Halo once again because it's okay to be in the Xbox camp. And that's a lot more work than just making a good game because I think that Xbox has had good games over the last seven years. It just hasn't been very cool to wear an Xbox shirt or to talk about it or to podcast about it. I think that that has a lot to do with where we're at now. It's true. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So what do you guys think would have happened if Titanfall came out like now, like when everything's on the rise and this was the first time we'd ever heard of Titanfall? Could you imagine what that would be like? Yeah. On a system that didn't require connect or had was underpowered and ran at 900 P and all those that costed more than a PS4, like would have been enormous. It should yeah. have been because it had that kind of reveal. It had a very yeah. similar reveal that Doom had. Where people went like, oh, snap, you can do what in this game? Like it had that kind of I've never seen this before. Mm -hmm. And it was just on the wrong system at the wrong time, the wrong sort of just community feel about it. it just right. Kind of dead on arrival in a way. Frustratingly so, too, because mm -hmm. the game, it, it was special. And then mm -hmm. I feel as though EA squandered it because Titanfall 2 is this magical campaign and the multiplayer was sublime. You put, I mean, they, they sent it to its death just the way that I think Battlefield is being sent to its death right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, man, that game is just in shambles, in shambles. As codes came in, I was just like, I don't even, do I want to? Mm -hmm. You know, like, like, what's the point? It's not ready. It's six months too early. It's timing is everything. And in, yep. when the stewards are not stewarding uh, well, it's very frustrating. And then not everybody can do what Microsoft decided to do with Halo and say, hey, you know what? We, we need this A to year. be. Right. Here's a year, you know, not six months, not three months to fix bugs. This is a year of mm -hmm. polish and fixing and correcting. And whew, man, like what a what a choice that was when the marketing's already being printed. But they it's, all signs point to it being the right choice. 
at least at this point, yeah. the time of this recording, you know. And the partnerships. I mean, they already had the monster sponsorship that was already rocking and rolling. Like those... I got cups upstairs and he replaced and they got the wrong brutes on them, dude. Was Atriox? Like it's got the wrong yeah. brute. He doesn't have a like man, I gotta get a new Craig model, all these things, man. New you, Craig models. You're not are, fighting uh, Atriox. I'm telling you, you're not fighting Atriox in this game. I don't know. Whoever's whoever had the close up at the end of the trailer. You no, know, that was a they Sharian, made a cup out of him. They did. They did, mm-hmm. but I'm saying the story has changed so much. I bet you, Atriox isn't isn't for campaign one of Infinite. I bet you it's in campaign. Three. I'm out of my element on this one, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, what I, mean, I wasn't even sure that's how you say it. See, name. guys. <laughs> so what happens in the second book? Actually, I was gonna say I have I have my Halo books up here that I'm slowly working my way through on the shelf. So, oh, which uh, one are you on? Uh, I am now on. I uh, just finished Fall of Reach, and now I'm starting the Flood. So I'm just getting into the lore, and then I think you said that. The book you're reading now picks up after the third book in this series, right? No, no. The one I'm reading now picks up after some, a book called Shadows of Reach, which leads into Halo, which leads into Halo Infinite. Shadows of Reach and Divine Wind are both like. Oh, yeah. This is like the, recent releases, right? Yes. 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 Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. picking these up. Um, but not to get too off track. While we're on Halo Infinite. Um, Sorry, guys. <laughs> how... Xbox and Halo are so intertwined, you know, when it comes to their marketing, when it comes to what the brand is. Uh, When people think about Xbox, they traditionally think about Master Chief or Halo or Cortana. That whole world is so deeply ingrained in Xbox as an identity. How do you think that's affected its rise over the past 20 years? And what do you think the significance of Halo is as a brand? And we'll start with Luke on this one. Well, it certainly, I mean, that's what launched the Xbox and uh, really catapulted the Xbox 360 as well. I mean, Xbox Live, Halo, and Xbox were all intrinsically tied together, and that is what gave the system the legacy that we can look back at now. Um, It absolutely stumbled towards the end of the Xbox 360 generation because of trepidation post-Bungie, with people not sure about 343, which is a darn shame because Halo 4 is... It, there's no way it, it was the magic that made last of us work on a ps3 is the magic that made halo 4 Agreed. work on a 360 mm-hmm. it was just just it was just stunning those sky um, boxes not to interrupt you but those sky boxes are insane like to this day i go back and play it on the master chief collection and obviously there are improvements but my gosh it's insane it, it was wild, but uh, people were hesitant because Bungie wasn't there, and, and Master Chief took on a very—I mean, Iron Man was big at the time. It took on a very Iron Man-esque uh, MCU-style look to him, and that threw people off. And then the art direction was inconsistent uh, between four and five, and I think that lined up very well with how poorly the Xbox itself uh, presented itself, with with lacking a central vision. I mean, the Don Matrick era led to a really confusing set of what xbox wanted to be and halo was right there alongside it it was confusing as to what halo wanted to be you know did it want to be the next call of duty because halo 5 certainly had all the mechanics of that uh none of the soul of what made halo special uh halo wars 2 was wonderful and departed from the story of halo 5 uh which was you know equally confusing whereas halo wars 1 really tied in well with the lore of the time and Um, It was just confusing. We weren't sure who was stewarding what. The comic books are where they killed the Didact. Master Chief beat the Didact, which is the big bad of Halo 4, in the comic books. That's very confusing. It's very strange. It's very strange. And so uh, Halo and Xbox have really been intrinsically tied. And I think Microsoft did want to get away from that at one point. 
Um, but they brought themselves back and looking to, to their benefit at this point. It looks like this was the right choice. They really would have loved to launch Infinite alongside the Series X, but what would the benefit have been? Very few people had a Series X. It wouldn't have showcased the system. Uh, it would have launched in a, a jankier state than it is now, and all signs point to that that multiplayer, whether it launches next week or not, being very polished. I mean, those flights were incredible, and so they're intrinsically tied together. They're tied together for the right reasons, and it looks like there's a centralized vision that's going to allow the two to continue to grow uh, over the next few years. I mean, free multiplayer, cloud-based gaming for anyone that has an account, Game Pass, it seems like they're building for the long haul um, in the right ways. I don't know. Sean, what do you think? I think, I mean, hard to uh, wax poetic any better than Luke Lore when it comes to Xbox and, and Halo. Um, but I'll, I'll say it this way, in that Halo created Xbox in a very similar way that it had the power to destroy it in the end. When, yeah. they, when they got it right, it, it came, Xbox came to rise. And when Halo got it wrong, it almost crumbled it. And it's because of how important and intrinsically linked that it was that it almost became a bit of a distraction, they dedicated studios to it. It became like too, it was too central where there actually almost wasn't enough um, oxygen for other things to happen. That's you a had point. a blip of maybe something like a Bioshock. Of course, Gears and Forts are, are things that we kind of joke around now. It's like, there's only three things. Mm-hmm. But really, like there is there is some truth to that Gears, Halo, Forza kind of argument in that there wasn't really a lot of space for anything else for other people to latch onto. If you weren't into Halo, then you didn't have an on-ramp into Xbox in a lot of ways. That's right. It's an oversimplifying way of, of saying, but I think you guys know what I mean here. Um, so when, when Halo became so central to Xbox, yeah, when Halo's hitting, Xbox is hitting, but we saw what happened when, with Halo 5, with Master Chief Collection just faltering, and, and all the 343 stuff as well, like Luke said. It, um, you can watch, almost watch the, the graphs go up uh, in tandem together, Xbox and Halo, and then falling at the exact same time. So right. it's the best and worst thing that ever happened to Xbox. We have an Xbox because of Halo, but we almost lost it because of what happened there. So luckily, they've they've now we've got a much better portfolio, a wide range of games and game types and developers and studios and timing as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's just a there's like an awkward adolescent age that Xbox has gone through that I think every every system goes through. Nintendo's had it, PlayStation has had it, and Xbox I think has had theirs now. And so you'll see it now become the handsome 25-year-old now after the, the the awkward kind of high school and early college years, I think. It'll be interesting to see the Halo show that, that Showtime is creating next to the previous Halo live-action stuff because then I think see, you'll that's absolutely another distraction see. though like and hopefully they're strong enough to be able to have that but there have been so many distractions along the way yeah. because and it was they were so good big. They, right. yeah, so big trying to be something that it didn't need to be they were trying to right. be Star Wars uh and Star Wars happened naturally for a long time it was it wasn't forced forgive the pun uh, I really hate that I said that I really hate that it came out like that but Star Wars fandom built and for a long time it was just those three movies it was just yeah. three movies, you know, and, and Halo was just a few games. And then all of a sudden you have live action versions of, of uh, prequels to Halo 5. But then the marketing is incredible for Halo 5 live action stuff. But then it doesn't match the game at all. It was just it was distracting and it was it was confusing to a consumer. Whereas now it seems to be far more uh, congealed. Perhaps the MCU taught bigger companies like Microsoft oh, yeah. what to do with with how to to create a vision and stick to it. 
beginning to end, like how to make a storyboard for what we want to do with this product, this product, this product, and how they tie together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they've created really, um, really dynamic messaging that is providing a really good skeleton for like how you set this generation up and how you market mm-hmm. these games and how you bring them to people. Um, but it also allows wiggle room, you know, like whenever people started making fun of an Xbox, they made a mini fridge, you know, on the console side of things. Uh, and whenever, yeah, yeah, like it's great. And, um, you know, whenever the Xbox series S leaked, you hit them with a quick meme. Like it's just, it's good stuff like that, that I think also translates over into Halo where you see very well-placed marketing, like these Saturday morning live action lore pieces that are coming out on YouTube each week. Mm-hmm. And these little small snippets of, you know, trials for the technical test to where you can provide right. some hands-on experiences. Um, to be able to integrate that all into the build-up, into the release itself. And like Luke said, whether it be released on Monday, November 15th or December the 8th, whatever it might be, um, the multiplayer is going to be a huge part of the next generation of Xbox Um, And I think that right now Xbox has positioned itself to where previously it was almost like a giant circus tent with one pole holding up the entire building where you just had you just had Halo in the middle that kept this tent up. But now you have these new IP that are being created and so many talented developers creating these different support beams that if one of them falters or if there's a bad year, uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of controversy right now around Call of Duty and Activision, but Call of Duty Vanguard is one of the weakest Call of Duties in recent memory. But who's to say that if there was a weak, similar style game in the Xbox library, that it would harm the brand overall? Um that was a little bit confusing, but I think you guys uh, get what I mean. It doesn't have to be a knock it out of the park, killing it game every single time. If there is enough in the catalog to flesh it out and make something great, no matter where you turn. Well, we saw that with the Xbox one. I think that's, that's kind of the, um, that was the faltering of it where you had like a quantum break, which I thought was a pretty solid eight out of 10, like really good game, but it was really the only thing in that space. Like you, you look at games coming out three months before three months after like there really wasn't a whole heck of a lot. I don't think. So yeah, people were looking for whatever was next to be like, this better be the reason to buy an Xbox. And it, generally speaking, like that's a tall order for a game to do that. Like that's a Breath of the Wild. That's a Last of Us. That's a, a Gears a Gears of War kind of thing. Like it has to be that 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 quality. And not many games do it. Like that's just that's just too rare. So yeah, if you're not going to have that, then you need more games padding that out. And that's that's what they've addressed at this point. To at least to the point where they where people go sure. You might even be able to look at the exclusives on Xbox and go, those those still might be lacking. There's so many games with Game Pass. Like, it's just they've changed what you're even buying. Like, you're buying the box, sure, but you're really buying Game Pass is right. really the thing. So that's takes a lot of effort and, and really smart and targeted messaging to get that shift. For, and for people to get it, it might be what you want to do, but for people to understand it and go, okay, well, if I'm getting an Xbox, Game Pass is really what I need. In a similar way that people go, if I'm going to buy a, a Nintendo Switch, I probably should get Mario Kart or or, uh, or Breath of the Wild. That's what they're, they've done. But with a subscription service, it's like <laughs> buy the console and then give us 15 bucks every month forever. Like massive change, man. Really, really smart stuff that they've done there. Definitely. So I have a couple of points that I want to touch on before we round out, because I know you guys have other things that are going on. But um, one of the biggest questions I had 
what is the biggest Xbox memory that you guys have, whether it be playing Halo 2 with friends, whether it be a midnight release or an event? I know we talked about E3 briefly earlier. Um, Sean, we'll start with you. What's your biggest Xbox memory looking back over the past 20 years of Xbox history for you? Why did you start with me? Um, <laughs> man, how can I not talk about E3? How can I like walking down, walking into the Microsoft theater with Luke and just seeing like, and watching him buy a Sea of Thieves backpack, even though they gave us a free one 50 <laughs> minutes afterwards. Definitely one of the <laughs> See, that's, my most favorite. That's memory. dedication. That's dedication. Yeah. He's I, like, I thought we were getting a free one. Where is it? I'm like, oh, maybe it was because they, they're selling it. Maybe that was the exclusivity there. Nobody we could buy would it exclusively tell me. here. And they wouldn't tell and, me. It was expensive too. You got you got two of those backpacks. Uh, but E3, of course, was was amazing, and you know, almost passing out when the with the Keanu Reeves reveal on screen, and then him walking out on stage is just like it was memorable whether you were there or not. And I, like I said, I almost fell over. I was screaming so loud, like I could not believe what I was seeing. Um, but do you, like, yeah, there's so many that. You How, shouted it bigger than E3. in the middle of of their their presentation. You they had a that? car. They had all the stuff. Man, the E3 was. E3 was special. It was like, I don't know. It didn't feel like we should be there. You know, it felt like we kind of like snuck in and somebody like made a mistake or something that we were, that we were able to go there. Um, we got to plug our podcast in front of like, what was it? 3000 people at FanFest. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they came up and chatted with us. We like E3 was full of like every moment was, was that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, and like the first time I ever played an Xbox was at a, at a friend's house who I worked with at a, at a grocery store. And he was like, he was the old man having all the people over and playing games. I'm like, I never experienced anything like this, um, to bring in like to playing Bioshock for the first time. And like, not knowing that that was going to be one of the best games in the history of video games to going to a Best Buy and picking up Gears of War off the shelf and not being totally with games at the time. I wasn't up on everything. And I'm like, I remember thinking, I remember saying out loud, I hear this game should be good. Like, I think that there's something here. And it's like, this is a monstrous game that I'm holding in my hands and playing that and and just embracing my inner nerd, honestly, has kind of been the journey that I've been on with Xbox over the last 20 years is I kind of, now that I'm, I'm married, I have kids, like there's no more, there's nothing left to prove, man. I have like a shelf full of toys behind me as I slam my chair. I am a, I'm a big dork and I'm now able to just like live that for the rest of my life. And I'm so glad Xbox has been there for the entire journey, whether I was kind of like hiding my, my nerdism and just kind of like, Oh, I'd like to play like quietly by myself to finding my one or two friends who I could jump on a, on a voice chat with an Xbox live to going to E3 with Luke to chatting about it with you here. I can't believe it's been 20 years. I remember buying the Xbox with my younger brother when we finally realized like we lived in a household that didn't allow consoles. But if my brother and I saved up our dollars, then mom and dad can't say nothing. We buy it ourselves and we split it. And we bought Project Gotham Home. We played the Duke controller. Like I've got memories galore with the Xbox, man. And all of them are very, very special, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, it's those memories like that, you know, with the family and with yeah, like you said, standing in the store and looking at these games and you didn't realize how impactful they would be. I had the same situation with Assassin's Creed where I was just walking through the aisle and I wasn't in touch with anything and I found it on the clear. Right. It was on the clearance rack for like 20 bucks at Walmart and I picked it up and I was like, huh, okay. And, this could be cool. Yeah. Ooh, Assassins, you know, that was my general reaction. And then it, you know, mm -hmm. has just become this giant Goliath of a thing today. Um but yeah, those are some awesome memories, especially going back all the way to the OG with Project Gotham and the Duke controller. Mm -hmm. Like these are the core memories that you see, you know, with these Hyperkin Duke controllers coming back today. That's like 
the the memory that people have that hits the DVD on this. remote control that took up a controller spot the hd dvd edition that i had on my 360 man like i had it all we had our original xbox connected to one of those like giant tvs like the oak like it was a piece of furniture i thing. had one of those and i remember my dad blaming the xbox for it finally breaking down he thought it was too high resolution that was i'm like a- or this thing is 40 years old yeah. it could be that also but those were real things that happened in my life man it's like nice. when your dad yells at you that you broke the car because your stereo was too loud. It's like, what? Yeah, doesn't work. The car itself. Yeah, shook the door yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. Honestly, yeah. if that was my kid and they just shook the door off, I wouldn't even be mad. Like, that's just really impressive, to be fair. <laughs> Parenting is different kid now. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Luke, what about you, man? What are the biggest memories looking into the 20th anniversary of Xbox? What stands out for you? Uh, well, going to E3 with Sean. Um <laughs> So I'll, I'll touch on a, a few things. First, I saw Xbox, the original Xbox, when I was in college. That was when I first saw an original Xbox. I was in my first year of college, um, so and I was introduced to the idea of a hard drive. I knew it, was, it had been out for a bit. It was 2004 when I saw it, so it had been out for a little bit, um, but I'd never seen it. And introduced the idea of a hard drive. That's cool. That's fine. And then the Xbox 360 was arriving, and I had to have one because I saw Gears of War, and so I went and I sacrificed my body and I sold plasma for several months in order to save up money so I could buy an Xbox 360. And when I played Gears of War for the first time, I fell in love with the lore. I fell in love with the world building, what they were doing. That Mad World trailer was special. It hadn't been done at the time. Um, I think we see a lot of examples of things like that now, but it hadn't been done Mm -hmm. at the time. And it was just this, this, next-gen experience. I mean, they, you went from SD to HD with the Xbox 360. You could literally toggle it if you had the right TV. And yeah, uh, I put on a headset for the first time and was talking to people. The 360 was a very special system for me. And uh, I didn't get into Halo, actually, until Reach, ironically. But Gears of War stood out. And then in a much darker place in my life, I, I wasn't sure what I would do. And it was Gears of War 3 that kind of kept me going. I was like, I need to make it to, to play Gears of War 3. And at the risk of being morbid, that really did start my life over you know like i got to that point and then i got a job interview at the midnight launch for gears 3 i got my life back on track which was really cool and then flash forward and all of a sudden i get a text from from sean capri like hey they want to send us to e3 and i mean i that is still to this day i mean xcp is nowhere near that caliber the idea of getting an invite there and so it remains the best three days of my life to get in there and walk into that microsoft theater and see that green glow and then go Mm -hmm. stand next to the we played gears of war on an elite controller for the first time right that was the coolest gears 5 on an elite controller yeah yeah, escape mode had never been shown before we met the cast of gears of war in the bathroom actually and then we got to meet them for real (laughs) uh and then you know we met the team behind uh i went the team behind sea of thieves sean went down and i think was trying x cloud while i was doing that and then Mm -hmm. You know, we quit. I call Sean while he's in the line for a different game, and I'm like, "Come here!" And he didn't believe me. He thought I was being silly and trolling him. He gets in line next to me, and suddenly we're talking to Phil Spencer. You know, um, and he's doing his fan greet thing. But it was really special for me to be next to this guy uh, who who has been evangelized by our community um, to the point where he probably doesn't like it. But it was cool to just talk to him. And he had a Halo Infinite shirt on in 2018, 2019, 2019, um, yeah. and. That was just the coolest thing. And then, you know, flash forward 
Sean and I are, are, are buddies and talking and, and Series X is out and we're looking at these 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 anniversary celebrations we're on the eve of halo infinite forza horizon five is is what six million players at the time we're doing this it's it's just surreal to think the journey that we've come on so i don't know what what my answer was uh to your question but it's just i've it was an unfair question let's be honest you can't you can't do 20 years and what's the it's gonna get a bit of a a ramble from us on that man i mean that's the point i mean you look back and Mm -hmm. there are so many memories that you see and so many experiences that you've both had i've unfortunately never been lucky enough to go to an e3 obviously you know much like anybody else that grew up uh with these e3 events in their timelines and in their um tv feeds if g4 back in the day you know was broadcasting e3 i was watching it um and uh, it's a lifelong dream but to hear these stories and to hear you know you run into the cast of gears of war in the bathroom and you're like you know getting to meet phil spencer even if it is at a meet and greet like that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff is just the essence of what the community is about it's this passion that you bring um for xbox and then it goes back to my biggest memory which is the first time that i ever played halo um it was the classic middle school memory of I went over to my friend's house for a sleepover and I had never even touched an Xbox before. Uh, and he had, you know, the original Xbox with Halo 2 popped in with two wired controllers ready to go. Thick CRT TV, you know, split screen. Nice. We're talking from a, right around 6 p.m. probably until 3 a.m. It was just continual Halo 2. You know, Domino's Pizza, you got Mountain mm-hmm. Dew, you've got Halo oh, 2 man. on the CRT. It's just that is whenever I immediately realized this is different. This is a yep. game that's completely in a new realm for me. You describing that, I'm, I'll be 36 very, very soon. And you describing that, I'm tired thinking about that, staying up. My back hurts <laughs> thinking about the Mountain Dew and pizza. And I'm like, oh, man, hope you had good lumbar support in the chair. You know? Oh, but you like, assumed I mean, there were yeah. chairs. We were in the floor, dude. We were just sitting yeah. in the middle of the floor. Yeah. Cr- just crunched over like a shrimp. Just no but back what support. What nostalgia. Oh, man, that's fun. Yeah, man. I mean, it, I played Halo. Uh, uh, Alan Wake remastered the other day and it flashed me back to when that game first came out and sitting there and, and there was a special time in the 360s life where Halo 2 was transitioning to Halo 3, Gears of War was out, Alan Wake was new, Mass Effect was special yes. uh, and exclusive. Like there was just this time where 360 dominated everything, everything. Mm-hmm. And gaming is cyclical and so PlayStation had its run and now it's it's very weird to watch all three be very successful. Um, but I love it. It's great. But yeah, man. Oh, just to, I'm sorry. I cut you all off for just getting excited there. But no, thinking good, about you guys sitting there playing Halo 2 and probably the same maps over and over again. I mean, it oh, was yeah. like it was like Goldeneye probably for me, you know, like what a cool, fun moment yeah. thing. That's that's dope. And I think Very that's I remember. No, go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're good. I was going to say, I, I remember discovering land parties by accident. Actually, a friend of mine had had called me over and he's like, I had to drop something off, whatever. I think I borrowed a movie or something. He's like, come on over and, and drop it off. We just have a couple friends over. So I walk in the door and like something is happening. There's cars down the street and I'm like, I can't even get in. There's TV set up all over the place. I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're like, it's Halo. Like to them, it was just like a Saturday. And I'm like, what is this? And just seeing the organization and the excitement and just like everybody was in it. And that changed everything, man. We would do that at my place. We'd have two Xboxes in the, like the main floor and then in the basement and connected by like a 50 foot ethernet cable. And we would have like, kind of like a, a makeshift land party there. And you could hear people upstairs screaming like, oh, you got me. Like it was just... There are a trillion memories, and 
man, like the one thing that kind of jumps out to me is as we as we scream and 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 fight about how many teraflops this thing's got and how many frames per second and stuff. Luke said about when he wanted to buy a 360. The thing that I made me want to buy a 360 was that you could turn it on with a wireless controller. And I'm like, I need that in my life, man. Everything That's up until cool. that point was wired and you'd have to go up and push the button on the thing like that blew my mind man so we've come a long way since even those those very humble beginnings in the 360 days and the rite of passage that you'd have with the three ring the, the red ring of death like there's Ooh. been there's a lot of stuff that's happened that yeah it's it's kind of fun to, to talk and be nostalgic about i want shout out to uh ryan mccaffrey's unlocked i think it was unlocked 201 where he had seamus blackley peter moore phil spencer all on to talk about their memories of the 360 and the yeah. original Xbox. That is one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, timeless. And it's, it's, yeah, very timeless. And I would recommend any listener now go listen to that because it was, it was cool. It was just neat to hear the creators of Xbox talk about what they did well, what they did poorly. Even why it's green. Even why the color is green. Yeah. Is in that conversation. Yeah. yeah. And, and how you tell your boss that you need to spend a billion dollars to fix a mistake, mm-hmm. you know, and had they not done it, we wouldn't be having this conversation. That's right. That's yeah. It's just crazy to me. It's so cool to hear everybody's different perspective on how Xbox has shifted over the years and how you first came into contact with it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think to your point, Luke, the coolest thing that I see about a new generation is that a whole new group of players are going to jump in for the first time jump in being a pun that i didn't mean to make but um nice you uh you know you'll see people that are coming into the xbox ecosystem and into gaming for the first time where goldeneye was an experience that a generation had and halo 2 was one that i had and then looking forward halo infinite and even battlefield or whatever the game is going to be um that is going to be something that is fundamental to where in 20 years whenever somebody that is 10 right now is hosting a podcast they'll be talking about the night that halo infinite launched surprisingly early potentially who knows i don't know um but you know it's those stories that are coming that are going to be you know what people talk about and i think that's amazing to think about how that's being formed right now and it wouldn't be around if the choice hadn't been made to save xbox and this incredible redemption arc had been you know heralded in by this amazing team that's led by a very good leader i think that's the biggest thing for me it's a good point so to round out the show, where do you think that Xbox is going in the future? This is a very brief, just overview, nothing that has to be an in-depth marketing strategy or anything like that. What's the one big thing that you guys think is going to be talked about 20 years from today? And uh, we'll start with Sean. You're going to be playing this thing on every single device. You're going to be playing it on your fridge. You're going to be playing it on in your car, everywhere. I think that's, um, it's just totally just, it's going to be everywhere. I think it's probably going to be it. There's going to be big games happening all the time, very similar to what you see with Netflix now with like exclusives launching almost. It's not even newsworthy at this point. It's like, oh, another another thing happened. And then if something catches fire, that's when you start to hear about like a squid game or something like that. And I think that probably is where they're, is where they're going to be. Um, I don't know, Luke, if you have anything more prophetic uh, than that. I feel like that's just the plan they've laid out at this point, really. I mean, I think it's it's cloud gaming. Uh, which won't even be thought of as cloud gaming. It'll be thought of as gaming. Yeah. And it'll be AI. And I think we accidentally touched on something when we said, you know, the AI of your friends. Like, it'll adopt the behaviors of your friends. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, Beyond that, I think it's games played by more people, made by more people. And, I mean, it's going nowhere. It's the biggest revenue generator around. Uh, My hope is that it doesn't become a Ready Player One scenario where people are escaping only into a VR headset as opposed to the real world because the real world is dire. 
Um, but we do know that gaming is is a wonderful business to be a part of, a cutthroat business to be a part of, and if, if handled properly, uh, there's just so many places they can take you, so many journeys they can take you on. I mean, that's why I play games is to go on different journeys to be a superhero, to, to be a Spartan, to go through and play in these worlds, drive cars I could never drive and be a pirate on the Sea of Thieves. Like, that's that's just dope. That's fun. And so I hope that it just allows more people, Sean's kids, his grandkids, to experience these things and not lose the magic that it had for us. That's my hope. Yeah, I think those are both incredible points. And I'm totally in line with you where I think cloud gaming is going to be massive um, because, you know, you see the same shift where every kid has a Chromebook now, especially in an age where there's so much remote learning. And so with every person having access to technology and that's just come, it's become a fundamental part of existing for the majority of people, um, gaming coming to that through cloud and through even mobile um, games to some degree and any kind of experience that you can have, it's just going to keep on expanding and Xbox is a huge part of that. So I definitely think that's going to be what we talk about in 20 years for sure, for sure. Uh, but thank you guys so much for uh, taking some time out of your uh, Friday night to come join me and uh, talk more about the 20th anniversary of Xbox that we're celebrating next week. And to round it out, um, you guys can just tell us where to find you and your incredible shows because they're so amazing to follow along with and hear what you have to say on a weekly basis. I was motioning to you, Luke, for you to go over. <laughs> no, you, please. <laughs> oh, man. You can find me on Twitter and on Twitch at Sean Capri, Sean the Connery, Capri like the pants. And, of course, the Xbox Drive is a podcast I do from my car. I order coffee, and we talk about Xbox for somewhere between 40 and 50 minutes or so. So it's nice and digestible for you guys. Get it on your podcast services of choice. And that's kind of it for me, man. Thanks for so much for having me on. This has been awesome just to even connect with Luke again for the first time in far too long. And obviously our Xbox journeys have been intertwined. So it's it's just, uh, I haven't actually had a conversation like this just looking back on the last 20 years. So it's it's totally right that it's it's with Luke here. So very, very cool. Yeah, absolutely. I was so glad to be able to have you both on. And like you said, your shared history. But Luke, where can we find you, man? Well, you can find me on Twitter at InsipidGhost. Uh, and you can find the Xbox Expansion Pass on all your podcast services, of course. Uh, and then, of course, you can find another show I do called Cast Co-op with some wonderful content creators. And Xbox comes up a lot there as well. Awesome. Well, you can find me at Jampack Sam if you don't follow me already. And that's over on Twitter, on YouTube, wherever you want to find me. Uh, and my podcast, of course, you're listening to it right now. Exhibition hosted every single Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. But thanks so much for joining us for a 20th anniversary celebration of the world of Xbox. And until next time, keep on playing.